You won't like it. I, I just realized I didn't uh, turn the record button on. It's that, yeah, it's that day. Yeah, it's a bad day. Uh, but we're just getting started here. Those of you who are uh, going to be watching the recording of this. 28 girls hospitalized after using Ouija board at school. Um, the students were rushed to a hospital after losing consciousness. They must have been uh, slain in the spirit. The schoolgirls were admitted with signs of fainting, anxiety, and other symptoms like, I don't know, vomiting, green fluid, head spinning around and around. Uh, the school's directors and concerned teachers accompanied the students to the hospital. Hugo Torres head of the Galeras Educational Institution in Galeras Sucre Department, Colombia, said in a video statement, there were 28 possible cases of anxiety in school students. Yeah, let's, let's, that's a cover-up. Uh, yeah, we had, uh, we had 28 teenage girls that were suffering from anxiety. Are you kidding me? That happens every day in every junior high and high school in America. At least 28 girls freaking out per day. Uh, I'm afraid, uh, sir, this is more than anxiety. Uh, given the reported cases, a series of comments were unleashed on the community that rather than helping to resolve the situation led to confusion and an adverse environment for our work. For this reason, the INEGA is allowed to report that the students were referred to the local municipal hospital according to protocols in place. Uh, directors and teachers accompanied the students during the evaluation process. The respective parents and or guardians were informed of the situation at the time. I'd be like, informed nothing I want in that room with my daughter. That's what I would be doing. But of course, none of my daughters ever played with a Ouija board. Never happened. I'm not saying my daughters have been perfect little angels over the years. But they never played with Ouija boards. Uh, the school is waiting for the medical reports before. What uh, what medical protocol number uh, do you have that lists demon possession as you know the 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 disease or whatever causes the symptoms? What what what? What is that, an I-9 or something like that? I, I don't know. My wife would know. She was a nurse, still is. Um, school is waiting for the medical diagnosis to provide further reliable information. The Educational Institute also reportedly respectfully asked citizens to refrain from making early judgments and diagnosis of their own. In other words, don't say anything about the Ouija boards. Don't say anything that there were 
devils there sent by Satan himself to afflict these girls like the like the boy in the gospels that was referred to as an lunatic and he would throw himself into the fire and all kinds of things and he had a devil in him and Jesus had to cast it out people please don't let your children play with a Ouija board. Don't let them go to a neighbor's house without knowing beyond any doubt that there is no Ouija board in your neighbor's house. Um, many parents believe the children have been using Ouija boards in class. One mother complained, I work here in a hospital kiosk and every day I see three or four children arrive after fainting. Parents, you have to move. Investigate what's happening at school because our children cannot continue in this situation. Our children always have a good breakfast, and it cannot be said that that's what is happening due to a lack of food. It is unclear when the school plans to give an update on the student's medical diagnosis. Meanwhile, the local authorities have yet to confirm whether a police investigation is underway and local authorities are busily trying to cover up any alleged response from Satan himself. Just it's not it's not worth it. It's not worth it. Don't mess with it. Don't don't investigate it. Don't do that stuff. Uh, all you have to do is watch a couple videos on YouTube. And then even at that, I don't recommend it for everybody. I don't. Uh, some things I can tell. It, it's like it's like that uh, UFO book that I told you about. When I read the introduction and I saw that this man in the book had an encounter with an entity referred to as the lady. Um, in, in reading the first chapter, one of the first paranormal experiences he has is with a giant owl that flew right in front of him and had big eyes like that and it just stared at him for a minute or two. And he was waiting to be picked up from um, his high school by his mother. His mother pulled up. And he, like, gets in the car, and she's like, are you okay? And he said, did you see that owl? And she goes, what owl? His mother didn't see it. He saw it. So that tells you it was a spiritual, like I've been saying in Isaiah 13, Isaiah 34. This thing's eyes like this. And I'm like. Okay, pretty much the things that I have been uh, seeing, the things that I believe the scriptures are unfolding for us at this time, uh, dead on uh, with our Bible, King James Bible. And um, 
so it made me pause for a while to make sure that I am spiritually equipped to delve into this and not have negative or adverse effects on me. And I, I listen, I, I am dead serious about this. Um, be not deceived. I, uh, no, it's not Isaiah. 1 Corinthians fifteen thirty three. Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. And uh, I know that it's, you know, I've been telling everybody it's not possible that the very elect can be deceived. Um, but you just, you don't want to go around pushing evil satanic buttons. All right. Now, video. I posted this to my uh, Facebook. My uh, sister almost said sinister. My sinister sent it to me. Uh, Let's see here. Uh, What button is that now? Ah, here it is. I'm going to put that up on the screen for you. And um, I mentioned this um, last night in the church service. And I figured I would deal with it today um, along with some questions that people have asked me. um, One in particular about angels. But um, take... Let's see here. Put that up on the screen, Mike. Take a look at this. And uh, this this now is a child filled with the Holy Spirit of fire and speaking in tongues. And it just proves the, the outpouring of the Spirit everywhere. And, I, and I'm going to address another angle uh, concerning the Asbury revival, was it really the Holy Ghost? And and I don't know why. I never thought of this until today, but it was like the most obvious, um, obvious way to answer the question, was this of God or not? So first we'll take a look at this, and and this is, it's loud, it's obnoxious, um, and it's just wacky. We would begin to hear the rhythm, oh, of my laziness, of my confusion, of my destruction, of my tiredness, of my complacency, of my the spirit of mockery. Now, in case you can't make out what he's saying, he's binding everything. And um, I I guess I'm going to have to address that, too, because that's a big thing with charismatics, is is that they carry around spiritual ropes everywhere they go, and they bind everything that they don't like 
Oh, I bind that in Jesus' name. I bind that in Jesus' name. I bound that. I, I, re, I, I rebuke that in Jesus' name. I'm, and, and they have been told by their leaders that whatever they rebuke and whatever they bind is immediately bound and rebuked and has no power, no authority, has to go into the pit. And by now, there should be nothing but total peace and righteousness in America because of the number of things that charismatics have bound in the last 50 years. So that's what he's doing. I want to play that part again. He's binding everything and rebuking everything and claiming this. The rhythm. Oh, I find laziness. I find confusion. I find destruction. I find tiredness. I find complacency. I find the spirit of mockery. I find the spirit of spectating. You must go. I command you to leave. Right. Oh, Father, we ask for a third great awakening. We ask for a third great awakening. Send your fire over these people. Send your fire. Send your fire. We don't care what we look like. Oh, Father God, we don't care what we suffer. Oh, Father, but all we want is to praise you. We don't care. We don't care. Oh, oh, Father God, I ask you, whatever it takes, no matter the cause, whatever it takes, no matter the cause. Now, I mentioned last night about a guy named Marjo Gortner. I don't see if I can uh, find something on him. Um, Marjo Gortner, yeah, was uh, this kid ev- evangelist. And let's see if I can, let's see if that might be it. Here we go, here we go. Now, he has been coached. It's known. It's proven. His mother spent hours a day with him, coaching him, uh, training him, manipulating him. He's memorizing the, the hand gestures. Uh, listen. Adolf Hitler 
did the same thing. Before Adolf Hitler ever took power in Germany, he spent hours training himself on speech-making, gesturing. And the if you look at early Hitler's speeches, he doesn't just stand there with his hands folded. He uses his hands to emphasize what he's doing. He actually had a photographer taking pictures of him, making various gestures, and looking, and, and we have the photographs, looking to see what looked the best. Um, Hitler stood and was photographed with different clothing on. At, there's one where he is wearing the, the typical traditional German lederhosen. Um, if you don't know what that is, look it up. But anyway, he, um, and, and, and of course, that look didn't look so good on him. Even though it would have uh, had a positive effect upon many of the traditional German men, he, de- he decided what he was going to wear based upon what looked best on him. Everything about Hitler was uh, framed, manipulated, practiced, so on and so on and so on. Marjo Gortner, same thing. This kid, this kid, I'm going to turn the sound off, but you watch him. Same thing. He is practicing. He has practiced this. He has been, he's been listening at others who have bound different things. I don't think for a minute that this child knows what complacency is. And yet, in this little speech here, he's binding complacency. I bind complacency. I bind, And then he says, I bind confusion. And then a few minutes later, he breaks out in a tongue that no one knows. No one. And I'm not buying it. Uh, some of the comments here, uh, this lady here, this comment section is exactly why the Holy Spirit is setting these babies on fire. And there's nothing confusing about it. This baby is being very specific with what uh, is being bound and loosed, very specific about who is being exalted, no matter the cost, sons and daughters prophesy. One guy says, sounds like a rock concert. Uh, Let's see here. All comments. Must not be very many. Eight more replies. What a prophecy, somebody says. Um, Or somebody says, what prophecy? That's a good one. Um, Absolutely so many who don't understand the Holy Ghost. And let's not even begin to talk about the fullness of the Holy Ghost. Bless God. If anyone, if one is ever baptized in fire, the whole method of thinking would change. The comments just let us know the multitudes that has a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. Ha! 
God bless you. You just nailed it. Uh, yes, very specific. Glorifying our great father God. Ha! Holy fire is surging in this babe. Ha! Of our Lord. Ha! The things these children are being exposed to and manipulated into in our schools. Ha! In our media. Ha! And in their toddler videos. Ha! In our churches, preaching a false doctrine. In our laws and propaganda of anti-Semitism in the literature of, uh, I'm not reading that. Being pushed in elementary school libraries across the United States, there are many children fed up and understand that it isn't right and starting to reject Satan's fiery darts. Ha! And they're answering the um, calls of the Father. Ha! I love what God is doing right there with these young children. I look up, listen, this is not, it's not revival. It's not even close to revival. Well, how can you judge that, Pastor Mike? It's easy. Easy beasy Japanesey. You get a you get a King James Bible out. Ha. And you read it. Ha. Um and and I like again I say again I don't know why I didn't think of this before but it makes it absolutely simple to understand a move of the Holy Ghost is it genuine or not Now in the tabernacle, I've covered this before, but I, just for those who uh, might have an opposite uh, view to what I'm saying, ha, is that in the tabernacle, there was a representation of the Holy Spirit. It's called the candlestick. And there were seven candles of flame on that candlestick. Three on each side, one in the middle. Let's see, it's three, three, seven. Yeah, that's seven. On each one of these candlesticks that was meant to represent an almond tree. Remember... Um, uh, Aaron's rod that budded, okay? And it has a, something to do with it because that's how God chose who was to be uh, the speaker or the priest or the religious leader over Israel because there was a rebellion and God said, I want every elder of every tribe to bring their rod or their staff over tomorrow morning, we're going to put them in a pile. We're going to find out who God chooses, and God chose Aaron very clearly. His budded. So anyway, on this candlestick, you have a set of decorations on there, and those decorations were not just to be pretty. There was a knob, or like a knob, a bud, and a flower. An almond 
tree flower. One, two, three. Three sets of decorations. On each pipe, on each candle, you had a flower, a knop, and a bud. A flower, a knop, and a bud. A flower, and a knop, and a bud. Now, it may not be in that exact order, but you get the idea. So, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine on one candle. So, the outer three candles, you have nine decorations, 18 decorations, 27 decorations. This is important. On the other side, the other three pipes, same way. On the outer candle, nine decorations. The middle candle, now you have 18 decorations. The inner candle, now you have 27. So you 27 on this side, 27 on that side. But the middle candle was different. Instead of having three sets of decorations, a flower, a knop, and a bud. You had four sets. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. So twenty-seven plus twelve is thirty-nine. And then the other twenty-seven. That is the exact number of books in the Bible divided up exactly the way the books of the Bible are divided up. On the left side, you have 39. On the right side, you have 27. Don't tell me that God didn't mean to for it to mean that way or mean something like that or mean the number of books in the Bible. Don't tell me that. It wasn't some church council, some angry men who decided to throw away a bunch of books out of the Bible that, oh, wow, if we had those books back like the book of Enoch, oh, wow, we would just just rewrite Christianity. Yeah, you would. It was the Holy Ghost that decided that based upon the pattern given to us in the tabernacle. And now here's the meaning of this. Those seven candlesticks represent the word of God purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt... uh, let, Let's do this. The seven candlesticks, we are told in Revelation 4 that those seven candlesticks represent the seven spirits of God. Now, this is going to make things hopefully very simple for us when we have discernment, biblical, Holy Ghost-led discernment. And I don't mean Holy Ghost, like, I bind complacency, ha! I bind uh, confusion, ha! I'm talking about real Holy Ghost work. The fire of the Holy Ghost is not some lava thing that's poured down on mankind or the fire that fell on Sodom and Gomorrah. The fire of the Holy Ghost 
are those lights on those candles, giving light to people, understanding to people. And those 11, or excuse me, those seven spirits are listed right here in Isaiah 11. There shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The candlestick had seven branches on it. And the Spirit of the Lord, number one, shall rest upon him. That's the first of the seven spirits of God, the Spirit of the Lord. That would be the opposite of the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. It's identifying by name whose spirit it is. And don't give me none of this nonsense about, well, you know, the, the, the real name of God wasn't Lord. They got that wrong in the King James. Uh, whoever told you that, or if you just made that up of, on your own, you're lying. You're lying to yourself. Somebody lied to you and you fell for it. Because the New Testament clearly tells us that the meaning, the definition, the translation of the yod Hey va Hey. The four Hebrew letters that make up the name Jehovah, that is clearly the Lord. You don't believe that? In the book of Psalm, David said, The Lord said to my Lord, sit thou on my right hand. Did you know Jesus quoted that? And in Greek... The Greek translation of that verse uses the word kyrios, and it's always translated as Lord. The New Testament, in quoting the Old Testament verse, Jesus said the exact same words, the Lord said to my Lord. He didn't say, Yahweh said to my Lord, or Yahuwah said to my Lord, he said, the Lord said to my Lord. So now we have, we have, we have identified for us in the first spirit who God is. And I want to tell you, I, I, again, I'm trying not, I try not to be judgmental, but I'm just trying to give out truth. If you say that you are full of the Holy Spirit and yet you don't know the name of your God, then obviously that Spirit of God, the Spirit of the Lord, has not revealed that to you. And you don't know who your Lord is. You don't know, you don't know the name of your own God. His name is the Lord. Number two, the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. Number two, the spirit of wisdom. 
wisdom. That means you are wise. Means you have uh, the ability to see things that others don't see. Wisdom comes about as a result of two others of the spirits of God. One is knowledge and one is understanding. When you get a lot of Bible knowledge in you, then you start getting Bible understanding. Once you have Bible understanding, you will have biblical wisdom. You will have wisdom that says, it is obvious to me that there are only two genders in this world. Dogs have two genders. Birds have two genders. Fish have two genders. Ducks have two genders. Monkeys have two genders. Humans have two genders. See, that's wisdom. That's wisdom that sees through all the lies that are out there in this world. So whatever somebody calls revival, if the people who are part of that revival cannot see things that are obviously wrong in this world, That's not wisdom. The spirit of understanding. That means that you don't have have a problem with whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I I did a a check on the Methodist version of how God's grace is delivered to someone. They, they say that they believe that it is by grace that people have their sins forgiven, that people are saved. But then they add the action of communion or the Eucharist. And they say that God's grace is delivered through the act of communion. If you don't have any more understanding than that of of, uh, what's wrong with their doctrine, I would say keep working on that spirit thing because you need more of it. The spirit of counsel, which means that The Holy Ghost is a counselor to you. He is a guide to you. He is the one that tells you and shows you this is right. Be a part of this. This is wrong. Don't be a part of that. The spirit of might, which means that you have the ability against your enemies. You have the power to stand against your enemies whom you fight. The spirit of knowledge. Spirit of, and knowledge of what? Knowledge of, uh, what was the book I had in college on theology? I don't remember. It was systematic theology. 
and there was a certain book that that we a textbook that we used a book of theology i think i sent it to somebody uh but anyway you won't need a course on systematic theology you won't need a textbook on theology you won't need uh a commentary of theology you'll need a bible that you you can gain knowledge from so that verses that are in the bible as you're praying about something or as you're teaching about something or as you're reading one place in the bible another verse in the bible just pops out at you and you because you have knowledge of those verses the spirit of knowledge and the last one is the spirit of the fear of the lord and there is not a, a snowball's chance in the world that I would allow something like this to go on in our church because I have a fear of the Lord. I'd be afraid of what God would do to me. I, w- I guarantee you I wouldn't like it. People, there is no understanding. There is, there is all, there's very, very little uh, guidance, especially of children in this world. When a child gets up and does that, everybody thinks he's full of the Holy Spirit. Um, I, I used to, we used to have a, a group of charismatic families that brought their kids to our Christian school. And, and, and I'll tell you how much, I'll tell you how much discernment and biblical understanding those people had. They were told by their pastor, they were told by some of these charismatic big names that would come to town, take all their money, that if a child, um, sincerely apologized for doing something wrong that you told them not to do, then as a parent, you shouldn't spank them for it. You shouldn't give them a whipping or a paddling or whatever. You shouldn't punish them for what they did because they apologized and you feel their apology was sincere. So therefore, you should never you should never spank them for it now kids are not dumb they know how to and i had one of those kids in our school that played that game well he was a brat he was a little devil he would get in trouble at school and i knew that when he got in trouble in our school that I was fixing to get in trouble because we dealt with it. And he was one of these that would go home with these big puppy dog eyes and say, Mother, I didn't do that. They didn't they didn't they didn't know exactly what I did, or he'd come up with some story. And I was always getting yelled at in a phone call after school. Or the kid would say, 
Mother, I am so sorry that I did this. Mommy, will you forgive me? Of course I forgive you, little Johnny. And that was it. He never received any punishment for anything. Now, kids know how to play parents that way. When they figure out that all they have to do is push the sorry button and not get any punishment for it, they'll do it every time. And then by the time they're old enough to go out on their own, they think they can get away with anything. And that if they just apologize, then it all has to be over with. It has to be done and gone. And that is not how God said to raise children. He said, use a rod. Is how God said it. Uh, People, God is not mocked. God is not mocked. Let me deal with... um, Let me deal with this understanding issue. Um, I haven't talked about this in a while, but it, it, in this video, it comes up. That kid is, is not, he is not speaking in the biblical tongues, uh, from the scriptures. He's not, he is mimicking things that he has heard at best i mean that would be the that would be the best that i could hope this child is doing he is mimicking what he's heard he's practiced it and he puts it on and now he's the center of everybody's attention he's going to be mr marjo gortner all over again um in well, what am I trying to say here? When it comes to tongues and languages, we have enough teaching in the scripture to give us understanding of whether or not Something is from God as a blessing or something comes from God as a curse. We have the story of Babel early on in the Bible giving us an introduction to unknown tongues And are they meant to be for our good? Or are they meant as a curse and a form of judgment from God? Now, we have had in the past certain Pentecostals listen to, you know, the things I say, some of the things I come up with they really like. They don't necessarily agree with me on this. I don't necessarily agree with them on what they see. Um, however, I do know that's, that many of them, they follow the course given in 1 Corinthians 14 for the speaking of an unknown tongue in a church setting. And of that, 
I I say thank you. Uh, even even the some of the pastors that I've encountered out in Kenya. Uh, we have a disagreement. I I will not say that they're right, but I've also heard from them. I've I've, I've had them plead with me about what they believe. They gave scriptures why they believe what they believe. They showed me from scripture. They do it this way, this way, this way. That's what the scripture says. And, okay, I don't mean to be anybody's enemy. But clearly, what that boy was doing is very typical of what you will hear in probably 99% of either Pentecostal or charismatic churches. It is totally out of order, thus it is out of place in God's house, therefore, it is not from the Holy Spirit. And if it's not from the Holy Spirit, it's either it's going to be then from one of two sources. It's going to be from their wicked heart and their wicked imaginations, or it's going to be an evil spirit saying that through them. Either way, I don't want to be within a thousand miles of something like that. The story from the Bible, which we, we have to believe it, and the whole earth was of one language and of one speech, and it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, that is Sumer, Sumeria. This is what uh, the archaeologists and so on call it now. Uh, the land of Sumer or Sumeria. It is Shinar. And they dwelt there. And they said one to another, Go to, let us make brick and burn them throughly. And they had brick for stone, and slime they had for mortar. Uh, and, and, and slime had they for mortar. And they said, Go to, let us build us a city and a tower, whose top may reach unto heaven. Let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. Now I'm not going to get into all the... Uh, the heaven thing that, you know, that this deals with. I'm going to focus on the language issue. The Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men builded. The Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they have all one language, and this they begin to do, and now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. And I will say that a a um, a large portion of what is referred to as Christianity is in fact vain imaginations and those imaginations always exalt themselves above the knowledge of God So people look at the Asbury Revival or the Azusa Street Revival, which took place around the turn of the last century. Uh, It was this big Pentecostal charismatic revival. They said people were being raised from the dead. People were being healed. People were being filled with the Holy Spirit. They were speaking in unknown tongues and all of these things going on. They are more in tune with their own vain imagination than they are the knowledge of God through the Scriptures. 
In in fact, all you got to do is listen to some of these services and the things that are coming from the men or the women on the stage. They say, don't analyze this. Don't try to use your critical thought skills to, to critique this event that's happening. Because if you do, God can't move. Are you kidding me? You're telling me that God cannot bust through the the critical areas of my mind and teach me something? God is that weak? No. What they don't, what they know is they don't want you comparing what's going on in that church or in that revival or where at whatever the setting is. They don't want you comparing what's going on with Scripture. Because if you do, you'll say, you know what? That ain't right. And the spirit behind that revival can't get past critical thinking and measuring everything up against every word of God. And that's why they try to shut it down early. Don't use your critical thinking skills. Don't try to overthink this. Just, just, just follow your heart. Follow your intuition. Follow your imaginations. And God is saying that the imagination of man is the problem here. So he said in verse 7, Go to, let us go down, and there confound their language that they may not understand one another's Speech Now, is that a blessing that God gave them? Or was it a curse? The confusion of an unknown tongue. Is it a blessing? Or is it a judgment from God? Clearly, it's a judgment. So the Lord scattered them abroad. Uh, from the from thence upon the face of all the earth, and they left off to build the city. Therefore, is the name of it called Babel. It is the uh, the prefiguring of Babylon. It is the same place, Babel Babylon, because the Lord did there confound the language of all the earth, and from thence did the Lord scatter them abroad upon the face of the all. And so you yet you have two cities. You have Jerusalem, and you have Babel. One is the city of God. One is the city of confusion. One is the city of knowledge, understanding, and wisdom, and counsel. The other is the city of confusion, chaos, disorder, mis understanding, and so on. And you have to ask yourself in every situation, is this the city of God where there's light and understanding and knowledge? Or is this Babel where it's confusion, it's chaos, it's disorder? That's what you have to ask. Just about any situation you find yourself in, religiously or whatever, you ask yourself, is this of the city of God or is this, is this Babel? Um, 
the king of Babel was Nimrod, the 13th from Adam. I won't get into all that, uh, but it matches the name, mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. And I want you to focus on this idea of Babel, which the, the name is meant to sound like which I, I have heard that in churches. It's nonsense. It's garbage. It's, it's gibberish. It has no meaning. Has, there's no understanding to it. Uh, there's no knowledge that comes from it. Therefore, there can be no blessing that comes from it. And this word, mystery. Mystery, which means I don't understand. I don't see it. It's hidden from me. It's a secret. I can't fathom it. I can't consider it. It's, it's not, I can't critique this. I can't measure this against that. It is a mystery to me, and it's a great mystery, and I'll never understand it. And let me say this. Every cult leader, every, uh, and when I say cult, I mean from the Roman Catholicism on down. Every cult leader will tell their people, you do not have the ability to understand God. Only I can do that, or only uh, our quorum of twelve, or only the exalted princes of this of this great religion, or whatever. It's only the hierarchy who can understand God. They tell everybody else, since you can't understand God, you were not meant to understand God, and don't think that by reading the Bible you're going to understand God, because only we can understand the Bible. Therefore, whatever we believe God tells us, we're going to tell you if it's meant for you, and you must then do what we tell you to do if you ever want to have any hope of going to heaven at all. You must do what the cult leader tells you to do, which is in direct contrast to the way Bible Christianity runs. Bible Christianity says, if you'll just believe the Bible. By the way, you have every right and every responsibility to read the Bible. Study to show thyself approved. Give attendance to reading, Paul said. You have a right and obligation, a commandment from God to read your Bible, to know what it says. Uh, <laughs> sometimes when I'm not feeling the best, uh, people will ask me questions either in a message or an email, and I'll like say, "Really, you have a Bible? Why don't you go and find the answer yourself?" But then, you know, God kind of calms me down, and I'm going, "Okay, I'm glad I didn't really say that." 
Revelation 14.8, there followed another angel saying, Babylon has fallen, has fallen in that great city because she made all the nations drink of the wine. Wine will make you stupid. Uh, there's a Latin phrase, in vino veritas, which means in wine you'll find the truth. Uh, that means when a guy gets drunk, it's when he says what he really means. Deuteronomy 32, the 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 vine of Sodom is the wine of Babylon. This is from the fields of Gomorrah. Their grapes are grapes of gall. Their clusters are bitter. Their wine is the poison of dragons. The cruel venom of asps. It's meant to inflame your mind, dull your senses, give you a total misunderstanding of truth. And so any so-called revival that does not manifest and exalt the truth of the Bible is not a move of God. It isn't. I don't care how good it felt. Listen, back in the day, um, about seven years ago, no, yeah, about seven years ago, when I was trying to self-medicate the pain in my back and I was popping 10 Percocets at a time, my body had built up the tolerance to it. Ten Percocets felt pretty good. Now, could I say that Percocet uh, making me feel good is proof that that must have been the Spirit of God? No way, no how. Uh, by the way, I just saw an article earlier today. Um, same place, um, the article about the um, children with the Ouija board. A lady uh, was killed from uh, a fentanyl overdose because she bought... Uh, some Percocet from a guy that she knows in the neighborhood. People, see, we always thought fentanyl is for is for those who are, who are heroin addicts. Heroin addicts deserve it, and so no wonder they're all dying. Now you shouldn't think that way, but fentanyl is such a powerful drug. Um, they use it for patients who are just waking up from surgery. Uh, I remember after my right shoulder was operated on, they, I woke up and laid, the nurse said, are you okay? And I said, I am in a lot of pain. I mean, one squirt of fentanyl and I could like feel, it was like fentanyl made hands and wrapped their hands around all the pain in my right shoulder and just made it go 
away like that. And I'm going, that is amazing. But it's a very structured, strict dose that they gave me. And what's happening now, apparently, is that um, apparently Percocet pills are being made, probably by China, that have fentanyl in them. And fentanyl, if it doesn't kill you, is highly addictive. Because of how good it makes you feel. Until you take one and there's too much fentanyl in it and it'll kill you. And so people, number one, if there's anybody out there. And you're hooked on pain meds. Or anything else and you're buying them off the street. I'm warning you, you have no idea what's in that. Get some help. Go see your doctor. And they have medications they can prescribe you that will block any pain medicine you take and it will help with the withdrawal symptoms. I'm telling you, get help I'm glad that I'm still not popping 10 Percocet at a time because now that I found out they're putting fentanyl in it I want nothing to do with it uh, let's see here let me uh, let me get to this idea of languages and so on uh here's a good one proverbs 23 this has to do with the wine issue who has woe who has sorrow who has contentions who hath babbling now do you think that word is there just as an accident no it's telling you and it's relating to you wow amen amen let me know if i can tell this okay um Babbling and Babylon and that wine are always linked together. Who hath contentions? Who hath babbling? Who hath wounds without a cause? That boy up on that stage had babbling. He was not speaking in a language. He was not speaking in a human language. And he wasn't even speaking in some heavenly language. He was babbling. Now, I will show you that there is a language that I believe exists that is spoken by a part of the angelic realm but not a good part of the angelic realm. Uh, look at what look at what Second Corinthians says. Seeing then that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech, and not as Moses. Moses was a slow of speech. He had a slow tongue. They, they we believe that he had a, a stuttering problem. What is stuttering? It's babbling. 
And God picked Moses for that very reason. The idea is Moses could not be understood easily by the Jews that followed him. And that's the nature of the Old Testament, is that it's not understood easily by the one who gave it, which is Moses. Now that we are have the New Testament, we can see now the great plainness of speech, and we can rightfully interpret what Moses was saying. We get it now. We understand. Those who simply focus on the Old Testament, will never understand it. Those Jews who only read the Old Testament will never understand it, not without the spirit that comes with the New Testament. Great plainness of speech. Now, in Isaiah 33, God makes a promise to Israel when their heart is right. He said, Thine eyes shall see the king in his beauty. Oh, listen! They're going to see Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. They shall behold the land that is very far off. Heaven. Thine heart shall meditate terror. Where is the scribe? Where is the receiver? Where is he that counted the towers? Thou shalt not see a fierce people. A people of a deeper speech than thou canst perceive of a stammering tongue that thou canst not understand. God said, I promise you, I will not turn you over to a people whose tongue thou shalt not understand. People, and and all all, all my Pentecostal friends, I would just implore you to hear me out on this. Again, I, I don't I don't want to be your enemy. I don't want you to think that I am your enemy. But I'm saying to you is that it is clearly a blessing of God when you have language, words, speech, that you can understand. I mean, it's the whole reason why we really do believe that our King James Bible was perfectly translated and every word in it is the exact right word because 99.9% of all Bible-believing Christians, they don't understand nor speak Greek. They don't understand nor speak Hebrew. And they don't understand nor speak Aramaic. And it's not enough to just look up words in a, in a, in a uh, concordance. My goodness, you can't do that with every word that you see in a verse. Well, that says the, but I better make sure in the in the concordance that that Greek word really means the. Really? You can't do that. So you either you either speak the three languages of the Bible like you were like you grew up with them 
or you don't. It's, it's one or the other. And since God, in his profound, infinite wisdom, chose that on the very day he's going to fulfill this, the prophecy of Joel 2 and give his spirit, pour it out to all men, that he do so, that spirit speaketh expressly, that when that spirit is manifested by the words that those men are saying, that those words are understood by the people around them. There wasn't a single man there speaking in an unknown language that at least one person there didn't understand. There was, for every language spoken, there was somebody there that understood every word they said. It was like, that's what I grew up speaking. I know that language. Oh, it feels good to hear that in my tongue. See, we love our own languages, don't we? Uh, this he ordained in Joseph for a testimony when he went through the land of Egypt where I heard a language that I understood not. When Israel went out of Egypt, the house of Jacob from a people of strange language. They didn't like it there, did they? Because they didn't like the language. I mean, I, I, aren't we like this? And don't feel bad because everybody else in every other country is like this. We are, as Americans, when we hear people in a store or a restaurant or whatever and they're speaking some other language doesn't that irritate you don't you always turn around and say speak english will ya come to america learn how to speak the language some people get pretty ignorant about it well maybe you won't like what they're saying maybe you don't want them to speak your language but i guarantee you go to another country and talk English, and people are like, come on, speak Italian. Only they said in Italian. Now, those who say they are speaking in tongues are speaking in, they say, the tongue of angels. That's what they say. And it's based on one verse of the scriptures. One verse. Now, they will tell you, oh, no, we have a couple other verses that is based on two. And I'll and I'll say, no, they don't. One verse. And what's the rule? That if you're going to believe a doctrine from the Bible as being from God, has to be out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, but not one. And Paul said, though I speak the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as sounding brass or tinkling cymbal. Now, I, I will say this. 
if you still insist on believing that your language is of a angelic manner, that it comes from God, if you don't have any charity in you towards, let's say, people like me, or other people. Then don't tell me how right with God you are. And how much of the spirit you got in you. Because the real spirit of God. If you had it. You would be full. Of charity. Not just love. Charity love. Un. Conditional love. Love of somebody that doesn't require them to be the same kind of Pentecostal you are, or the same kind of this you are, or the same kind of that as you are. You can love people and you don't hate them. And you don't feel like you're better than they are. And I can tell you... My experience with these charismatic families that we had whose kids came to our school, those people were the most arrogant, pompous, um, what's the word I'm looking for? They looked down at me, way down at me, because I was a Baptist. And we all know Baptists don't have the Holy Ghost. Very condescending is the word I'm looking for. Very condescending. And there's no charity in that. There's none. Okay? So, of the tongues of, of angels, is there an angelic tongue that is spoken in prayer. Now, uh, I don't know if I have this. Doesn't look like it so far. Let me go. Let me do this. Um, some of them use Second uh, Corinthians as proof. They will say, uh, "Well, Paul went to the third heaven." And he heard them speaking the language, the language of angels that we speak when we have the Holy Spirit. It's our prayer language. Let, let's find out if that's true. I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell, or whether out of the body I cannot tell, God knoweth, such a one caught up to the third heaven. And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell, God knoweth, how that he was caught up into paradise and heard un huh it says here unspeakable words which it is not lawful for a man to utter so what does that tell you if you are claiming that you speak a language that is spoken in heaven, like 
what this man referred to in 2 Corinthians 12 heard, you're wrong. Number one, the Bible says that the words that he heard were unspeakable. So how can you say you're speaking it? Number two, he said they're not even lawful for a man to utter. So how is it that the Holy Spirit is giving you words to speak that the Bible says are illegal? Explain that to me. Here's another one that they use. Um, Where is that one? Yeah, they they also and I know for a fact they use this one. This is my prayer language. This is how I get through to God and how God gives me what I tell him to give me, like healing and money and, and, and everything else and total victory in life so that I have no sins in me anymore. This is how I know it's because I reach God through the Spirit of God in that heavenly prayer language that it says cannot be uttered. Because it's, that's what they use here. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. So if they cannot be uttered, and that's the second place we've heard those, those words. Second Corinthians 12, they're unspeakable, and it's against the law to utter them. And in here, Romans 8, they're words that cannot even be uttered by us. They can only be spoken by the Spirit. Okay, so now, tell me, give me an example from Scripture of men speaking an angelic language. Give me an example of that. Show me from the Bible how people or you yourself are praying in a heavenly language that according to the Bible so far, you can't even utter them. And number two, if you did, it would be illegal. It would be against God. The Holy Spirit will never cause you to speak words that God said. Remember, the Holy Spirit's God. The Holy Spirit just isn't going to give you these words. I'm sorry, but he's not. In fact, let's do this. Let's... uh, Let's think of a place in the Bible where angels spoke. And then we'll ask ourselves, did anybody understand what they said? How about Genesis 18 and 19? 
the two angels that appeared to Abraham and Sarah, and the same two angels that went to Sodom to get Lot. When they spoke, did Abraham, did Sarah, did Lot, did they all understand what those angels, even even those two rebellious sons-in-law of Lot understood what they were saying. Understood every word they said. So were they speaking in some unknown language? No. Uh, What about the angel of the Lord that appeared to Joshua? Could he be understood? Yeah. What about the angel of the Lord that appeared to Manoah, Samson's father and mother? Did they understand him? Yeah. The angel of the Lord that appeared to Gideon? Did Gideon understand? Yeah. Uh, What about Gabriel? Speaking to Daniel. Did, Did Daniel understand? Yeah. What about when Gabriel went to Elizabeth? Yeah, Elizabeth understood. What about Mary? Yeah, Mary understood. In fact, I I would just ask you to show me a verse in the Bible where you have angels where when they speak, it's not understood what they said. And I I may be wrong. There may be something I've overlooked or I don't know. But people, I can't find it. Now, uh, let's see here. Where was I? This is uh, very quickly. I'm going to go. This is John D. He used... um, Occult methods of scrying, like a gazing bowl that he had or a crystal ball. And he got in contact with these spirits that they refer to themselves as angels. And John D. was shown a language. He heard him speak it. And he was shown the letters of the language and they said that this is the angels' language. It's the one we speak to each other. And this language has great power. If you speak this language, you can create into existence anything you want. The angels told John D. that Adam had this language, had it down pat. That's what he named all the. That's how he named all the animals. Was by using this language. Uh, Jesse Duplantis, the false prophet, the, uh, I don't know where he's from. I think he's from uh, Louisiana. But Jesse Duplantis made up this story that Adam had this Enochian language. And when God told Adam that he was going to name all the animals, that God had created the bodies of the animals, but he had not given them life yet. And he was going to give that power to Adam so that when Adam used this special 
uh, prayer language from the angels to call their name that basically Adam was giving them life by using that language and calling their names. And by calling their names in that language, each animal stood up and had life in it for the very first time. He made that up. The Bible doesn't say anything about that. But that's the extent these people will go to teach you that there is a language that will soon be manifested in this world. A language referred to in Daniel as dark sentences. God saying, I have not spoken in secret in a dark place of the earth. Okay? God said, I haven't done it. Daniel says that there is coming a king of fierce countenance who understands dark sentences. In other words, there's no light in them. Deuteronomy. The Lord shall bring a nation against thee from far from the end of the earth, as swift as the eagle flieth, a nation whose tongue thou shalt not understand. A nation of fierce countenance. My friends, that's the evil army that will come in chariots. Ships, flying vehicles, they're coming. They speak a language that no one knows, and no one will understand it either. It's not Russian. People know Russian. It's not Canadian. People know Canadian. It's not Norwegian. People know Norwegian. It's not Eskimo. People know the Eskimo language. They're coming from the north country, from the end of heaven. And they speak a language that no one else can speak. That, I promise you, is going to happen. Brothers and sisters, I love you. I want you to know the truth. Anything I know about God's spirit, it is a spirit of understanding. And anything that brings confusion, misunderstanding, misinterpretation, chaos, strangeness, it's not from God. A lot of revivals, a lot more revivals are going to take place. They're all going to claim that they stem from the Asbury revival and the outrageousness that these are going to be associated with, I think, 
anybody who is a genuine born-again Christian will see that this is not of God. By the way, it, it was pointed out to me that a majority of the people speaking out against the Asbury Revival were King James Let it then be us versus them. Us on one side, them on the other. See who God picks. Hey, okay. I love you. Keep, you. keep me in your prayers. I will pray for you. You pray for me. Um... Man, this Vatican secrets thing is getting deep. Things I'm finding out. So I'm still putting the notes together, trying to get a good understanding of what it is that I'm speaking about. And hopefully I will have uh, something ready to put out uh, by the end of this week, first part of next week, okay? Keep me in your prayers. I love you. The reason why we do what we do, we'll see you Sunday. 